Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. What's happening, guys? We got lots of stuff starting to crack off. The show season is afoot, and we have uh, drag races coming up this weekend. And to help us talk about what's going on with those drag races weekend, I got David Volkstroke Ruiz. So if you guys want to follow me, he's Volkstroke on uh, Instagram. But he's my man on the street when it comes to drag racing. And so there's some drag races going on down in Barona, California, near San Diego. And let me let you talk to Dave about it. We have um we're having a race on Sunday in Barona, and um, it's we have the girls, the Powderpuff Girls running. We have um, the little dog, big dog, and explore in the classes and uh, um, there's a there's a the street the, there's another street race. Um, no, it's, it's called the Extreme Street, and um, it's just it's gonna be fun, man. You guys should just come down and, and check it out. And that's going to be happening. Now, where's Barona, for those guys who don't know? It's close to San Diego? It's, it's by San Diego. By San Diego. Okay. And this is put on by SoCal Grudge Racing? Yes, SoCal Grudge Racing and uh, have a bunch of sponsors. And they're going to be doing – are they doing Test and Tune on Saturday night or no? Yeah, they'll be Test and Tune on Saturday. And I believe there's going to be Test and Tune on Friday as well. The gates will open sometime around 1030 on Saturday and they'll be camping. Uh, obviously, you know, if you guys want to bring on your car, you guys can come in and uh, camp out for the weekend, and it should be fun. Though. Yeah, so it's uh, it's one of the first races this season, right? Or it's the first race this season, right? Yeah, it's the very first race, so it should be fun. And what class are you running in? I'll be, I'll be running the Little Dog. You're running the Little Dog? So what's the difference between Big Dog and Little Dog? Uh, big Dog, like the Big Dogs, like the five-second cars, they, like like what would be like a pro-stock car versus a, a pro-turbo car, like the pro-level uh-huh. series cars. And then the the, uh, the small dog, Little Dog, is is pretty much the same thing as the uh, the Fast Four Cartel style racing, which is the light class. It's, it's, it can be like turbo versus nitrous this, uh, this, or, or all-motor cars. And there's just different rules that kind of like equalize the whole event, which would be the tire. So nice. you can have like a nitrous car versus an all-motor car. Go at it. This is or a turbo car. So that's what makes it kind of like fun. You know, you can throw a bunch of people into the same pot and get some big money. Like I, I don't even know how much the pot is, but it's close to two thousand dollars in some classes. Well, at this point, who cares, man? Right? Let's get out. Let's do some drag racing and let's. Uh, Let's give some people a show. So you guys down there in Southern California want to head out to Barona for looks like it's going to be the shootout number three at the Barona Drags. It's put on by SoCal Grudge Racing. And uh, you guys make sure if you see Volkstroke out there, man, you tell them what's up and you heard about it on Let's Talk That's Dubs. Right. Well, cool. David, man, I appreciate you. You're my, you're my dog on the street racing, drag racing scene, man. So you got to let us know what's up whenever it's coming up, and we'll get you on again, brother. Thank you, guys. Have fun, and hopefully see all of you guys this weekend. So to check out some drag races weekend, head on down to Barona, California, and check it out. Now, and I love how my lawyer listeners are getting on there and putting some reviews, man. We got four new reviews this week, man. That's my people. That's what I'm talking about. Get on there. Give me some reviews. When you guys do these reviews, it helps people that are looking for a good VW podcast. Besides hearing it from you, find it easily on Apple, iTunes, and Apple Podcasts and all the other uh, different sources that we get from. So I appreciate you guys so much, man, for putting the positive views on there. Uh, that's why I do it, man. It sure isn't for the money. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so shout outs. We'll hear at the end of this podcast. Now let's get into this week's podcast. Quite a few years ago at the VW Classic, a young man rolled in with his freshly sanded bus down to bare metal that you might know today as the bare metal bus. Well, that bare metal bus 
happened to have a few scantily clad gals in the back, and it was referred to for a little while as the bondage bus. That's right, I'm not talking about anybody else other than Ed Fox. Ed Fox photography has been in the game for a long time. You've seen his bare metal double cab. He's back on the street with a big stomping turbo motor, and that's just finishing off the touch of this bus. On this week's podcast, we get to hear his story about this bus, how he got it, the stories he went through. It's been stolen a couple times, and some crazy adventures that he had in this thing. So, Buckle up and listen to a good podcast this week with Ed Fox, photographer. And don't forget, guys, go to letstalkdubs.com, go to the blog page, and look at all the photographs that are included with the podcast that you can get by looking down the links in the details below. Click on it. It'll take you right to there so you can see a lot of the pictures of things we talk about during this podcast. So without any further ado, guys, let's get into it this week with Ed Fox on Let's Talk Dubs. Hey everybody, on today's show, we've got Ed Fox, the photographer, bare metal bus owner. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for having me. You know, I wanted to have you on the podcast. Uh, obviously, one of the focuses of my podcast is to get people to know some of the people in the VW scene, and you've been around for quite a while. And I just saw that you recently had started a, an Instagram page for your bare metal bus, which has quite a unique uh, story to it in and of itself. And like we do always with the podcast, what we start with is we start with your VW story and how you got into Volkswagens. Well, it started back uh, with my dad having uh, shops, uh, a VW shop in Holly, near Hollywood. And uh, I don't remember much of that, but we moved to Mexico City mm-hmm. and I, we lived there for about two and a half years. And uh, oh, as a matter of fact, and on our way there, my dad took... Uh, four uh, hydraulic lifts and a little tiny wood rickety trailer and we pulled them on a 64 bug that he had done a disc conversion on the front oh really so i think for like four yeah so that little bug just pulled us big old heavy uh, lifts over there uh so then when we were there uh, he had he got one shop then he picked up a second one so here in hollywood he uh, he worked at a shop for somebody but in mexico city he, he actually owned them there they were his shops and i was there when i was like between eight and a half to second grade. So I think I was like, I don't know, seven, eight years old, nine years old, up to nine and a half. And I remember um, going from home to the shop, which is, I want to say, about over an hour away. You know, and at that, you know, getting on a, a metro, getting on buses, taking a couple different, you know, uh, transfer, bus transfers to get to a shop. And then what I would do there is I would take the little flyers. And, you know, bugs were just every other car, or like every car that was right. a bug. So I just, you know, go down the streets and put um, the flyers on the, on the windshields. And then I'd get to the middle, this huge, huge boulevard where people were just flying down the, the boulevard there. And like right as I would time it, so right before the, st- the light would hit red, I would just come out like a matador, just like dodge all the cars and it would hand out flyers. So that was like something I remembered uh, back from, way back then. Um, and then um, I remember one time too we went to visit somebody in some little out in the middle of nowhere, a little pueblo, 
and uh, my my dad would let me drive the bug. Uh, and but the thing is, you know, at that age, all I could do is first and second gear. Right. So a couple of us like jumped or were cruising around there, and okay, it was time to turn around. So yeah, you know, I couldn't do the three. I got to three point turn, and we had to get out. Put like the, 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 about two or three of us little kids. Yeah, push a car and to turn it around because I couldn't do third or reverse. So, but you know that that at that age. So, um, so you started driving at a young age. I mean, just because it's Mexico and you're out there in the middle of in nowhere, and so Dad's like, "Yeah, go ahead, drive the car." You know. Yeah, yeah. And so you get that little taste of freedom of where where you can just be out on your own, and that kind of gets you situated in that. And then when do you? How do you end up getting your first Volkswagen? So, well, there's still more story to that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sonia was who we, we came back to, um, back to the U.S. after that, and I started back in fifth grade, so it must have been, what, like, 11 or so. And um, we lived in this house that had a single-car garage, and then, so my dad, he got a different job at a bakery, so now the VW is more just like a hobby for him. So we would uh, go to the recycler. Well, first we would call the re- remember the recycler back in the day, the yeah. newspaper, uh, and come back on Thursdays. So we'd go, we'd get recycler, go to the store, and we would call up all the places for bugs. Uh, and but you know, a lot of them, by the time you get to them, they were already sold. So then we got the bright idea: hey, well, let's go down to the recycler um, store itself, or you know, the the newspaper. And so we'd wait in line, like at seven in the morning, or whenever they opened on Thursdays, grab the paper, run to the payphones <laughs> with the coins, and start calling. So we, you know, they get bugs that way. We get like two, three hundred dollar bugs, you know, um, and then uh, just like fix them up, tune them up a little, and turn around, and sell them, make a little profit. Uh, I also remember back in those days where you know you'd take uh, leave little notes on people's um, windshields if they were interested in selling their car, and you know you get pretty good success. Or every now and then you get somebody that, that would want to sell you the car. Uh, and then uh, we had so many that we suddenly so we had this little single car garage. And my dad tore down the back wall. Said, "Ooh, well now we can put more cars in the, in the backyard, and we just fill the car, uh, the, the yard with cars." And we must have had six to ten cars back there at one point. You know, my mom hated it, but my dad just kept doing that. And then I'd help him, you know, bleed brakes and uh, build motors. Uh, and I have a younger brother, but he never got any of that. So they always, you know, they always pick on me to do that stuff. But you know, it's cool because then you remember and you learn. Uh, and then I went to, he let me, we went to Orange County International Raceway. Uh, some of you guys may remember that place. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, so then we, one of the bugs that we buy to turn around and sell, you know, he let me, it was, it was a gold one. It was like a maybe 70 or so. Uh, and so I did a, a pass and I didn't have my license yet. I was probably like 15, uh, 15 and a half or so. On the drag strip? He let you make a pass on in the car? Yeah, I did one pass. Yeah. I was so nervous. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I just did a one run, so it was pretty cool. And then, um, and then in high school, or no, still junior high, and I got a little bit older. We, uh, you know, he was always trying to like make make a buck, make side money. Uh, we we started selling clothes at the swap meet, and we had a green and white, probably like eleven window bus, probably like a sixty-four or five. And we'd have, remember he put these pipes on the top uh, towards the back to hang all these clothes. So we would take the, the bus to the um, swap meet and wait in line. And I remember driving there also with no license. Uh, and then um, we like, had to reserve our spot. But then, um, and then after school, and then I would, uh, after school, I remember t- taking the bus with a couple of friends. And on the way home, it would be like, yeah, all crazy going around the turns. I could feel that third wheel lifting on the rear, you know, had yeah. reduction blocks and everything. 
Yeah, and then we had like doors wouldn't lock, so the door would swing open on a turn, and they had these big old bucket seats that weren't even bolted in. So you know we have oh, it's like dangerous. Yeah, this is pretty fun. So nice. Yeah, a little young and reckless there. Yeah, yeah. I should have all like stupid shit like that. And then, um, so then that's kind of when a little after that, that was like the life changing moment where. Uh, you know, all this time we had this, this bus right under my nose, right? And like thought nothing of it, just I never had any attraction to it. But as soon as I saw like the same bus at the swap meet, I remember parked with alloys and lowered. And I'm like, oh my God, it looks so beautiful. You know, like probably with any car, you know, when as soon as you lower, it kind of just brings out the shit. Yeah. But this bus, I'm like, oh my God, the hot. So that kind of stuck in my mind about getting a bus. So then the first bus, the first bus that I ever got was uh, right around 18. And I had a, it was a 64 panel. And my dad wasn't around, and I had a, this dirt bike, and I color cycler up, and I went over to the guy's house, and I traded it for this motorcycle. Uh, and it didn't have a motor. And so when I got home, my dad was all pissed. Oh, why'd you get it? I guarantee the Chinese not going to work. So they kind of gave me this whole guilt trip thing. And, uh, you know, it's a little shame. But, you know, down the road, then you start helping me fix it. You finally take off to make to make your own decision, and the d- dad gives you a hard time, huh? Yeah, yeah. So, so luckily the training was working, so so I got that we got that running. And then um, we also had uh, 9/11s. Uh, my dad, uh, I had a 66, 67, where the first gear I think was like second. You put it in second, you know. I had a dog leg first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then coming out of a party one time, they must have been like some jealous dude, and they had jumped on the hood. And like, oh man, you know, there's no way to prove like who did it, but I kind of knew who did it. But like, man, so um, yeah, and that was so that was a '66, and you know, back then it was like, yeah, I didn't like I liked '74. They had like the little accordion bumpers on the side, and they had like black, and the, the trim on the windows was not chrome, it was black. Yeah. So like I try to do that, make it modern, you know, try to make it not look like a '66, and I would paint the the, the trim, and uh, so I never really did like that style of that one. That um, the one, and we also had a '73 and a half, the which is the CSI or CIS fuel injection. Yeah. It had this little choke, and if you didn't start it with the choke, it would just pop the airbox, and it was like an expensive fix. Uh, or if you didn't pull it just right, it just it would make the, the box uh, uh, pop. Anyway, so um, I drove that to high to elementary or not elementary um, junior high a couple times and like super hot smoking girl like, <laughs> and it's like oh man. Uh, anyway, so we kept that car for a little while. Yeah, so you were driving the nine eleven. You were your dad was dropping you off at school, or you were taking the you were being bold and taking the nine eleven to school. Yeah, no, I would take uh, my dad would be part of the nine eleven to go to. Uh, to junior high, ninth grade. To junior high. Not all the time. To junior high, yeah. See, let me take that a couple of times. No license, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you had to be the st- the stud of ninth grade. I don't ninth grade, yeah. So then I had a bright idea. I said, "Oh man, I would love to get that motor in that '64 bus." So I had a buddy of mine in high school uh, that said, "Oh yeah, I'm a mechanic," and I said, "Okay, well let's do we'll do a trade. You know, you do all the fabrication, the work." Uh, put the motor in, and you could have the car. <laughs> you could have the 911? You know, you know, I don't know how much that car's worth now. But he never got around to doing it. He didn't know what the heck he was doing, and then and ended up losing the car. He got the motor back, but then it left it outside. So that whole thing just went to waste. Uh, and then it wasn't until 
yeah, like my t- early 20s that I, I got this, um, yeah, 2021. I picked up a 67 double cab, white one stock. It was really nice. Like, wow, this is kind of cool driving up all high. And then uh, on one of the trips that my dad went to go to get some heads redone, mm-hmm. there was this old man hanging out there. And he says, you know what? I've got one of those at my house if you want to buy it. My dad went to go check it out. And it turned out it was this bus here, the, the 59 double, yeah, double cab. And so I picked, I was told we bought it. I bought it for 1600 bucks back in 91, 1991. Yeah. Yeah, sixteen hundred bucks, which was kind of high because back then you could still get buses for a thousand bucks or or less. This one had the Safari windows, the original windows. Already in it. Was, I don't know if it was running or not, but it was all complete. It had the seats and the, the apron. That's and so then I so then now I've got two double cabs. So what I did is I had uh, my buddy Jason. Uh, he's still in the scene. Uh, he had this beautiful uh, notch that was painted like this little red, like a salmon color. Like I don't know if it was an original color. It was a sunroof, and it was slammed. And so we traded. He got six, seven. I kept the notch back. And then I remember going to the gas station and filling up with gas. And people are like, "Oh, that's a really nice car. Did you do it?" And I'm like, "Well, no. You know, it's like, I couldn't really take credit for something that I didn't do. Right. Got to get rid of that. So I got rid of it. And so then I was just left with the Oh, and I had sold a 64 bus a long time uh, after that. But so now I'm just got like this one bus here. Anyway, then I moved out. I don't know, my parents and I moved in with a girlfriend. And this, uh, so a buddy of mine came to visit and he parked his car. This is like on a main avenue in, near Hollywood. And he parked and he comes up, runs up to the house and he says, Hey, you have these prints you, I could show you. You want me to show them to you now or later? I'm like, show them to me now. So he runs down to the car and then he runs back really fast. He says, you're Part of your bus is gone. Someone just took it. Like shit. So we w- went down to his Jeep, and he had like two or three clubs. You know, had the one goes to the bottom. He had the one on the pedal. I'm like, come on, hurry up, hurry up. So we're going down this, down the hill now, and we see the bus just kind of coasting down the hill, and we park right behind it, and then we uh, we go chase the bus, and so open the door, and, this, and these kids go flying out of the sides. Right, one goes one way, one goes the other way, and my buddy starts to chase the, the guys. And I'm chasing the car because it's still going down the hill. Not really oh, wow. fast, but just cruising in. And the thing is, it didn't have a e-brake hooked up because I got that busboy kit. I never got the the cable, right cable or something hooked up for the e-brake. So the guy had pulled the e-brake, and he ran out of the car. So I went after the bus. He went after the dudes, and he didn't catch them because they pretended like they were you know, going to shoot him with the gun. So they were doing like the fake, right. going for the gun, reaching. So they just backed off. But at least I got the car back, and they just kind of pulled the wire to try to hotwire it. So I, that was the first time I got stolen. And then I had I'd gone to a Solvang show, and on the way back, I was really tired, and it was just loaded with, like, toolbox and jack and just a bunch of stuff. And then my, I remember my um, girlfriend at the time, about 2 in the morning, says, you know what, I think I just heard a car starting or the bus. So I get up, and I go out there, and it's gone. I'm like, oh. The same double so I get cab? in the car. But the same double cab, yeah. So second time, but this time it was gone, gone. It was the middle of the night. So I get in my her car, uh, and I'm just driving around, like, which way can you get this guy to go on the freeway? Could he go down this way? And so I felt like um, like Pinocchio, you know, when the guys are looking. <laughs> you know that? Like, just looking for the bus, like, man, it's gone. So, and I, so that really sucked. So then uh, I said, well, you know, these, this is kind of a small circle. And what happens when people steal the cars? They sell parts of the recycler or a Pomona. Right. I don't know if Pomona was, I was doing Pomona then. Oh, yeah, yeah, or Pomona, yeah, I was doing Pomona. 
So I looked in the recycler. Um, and then there was guys looking for like anything that was like truck or safari window, you know, that I had or the apron on the seat. And so then I found one that said, um, uh, safaris, but they're, and I called up the guy and he says, nah, these are, um, chrome ones. I go, well, mine were kind of a faded chrome. Uh, um, cause he said they're faded chrome. So he said, you know, um, and I said, well, do you have anything else? He goes, oh yeah, we got like the, I've got a, I have a buddy of mine that's about to go sell some at the, um, Bill and Steve's. He was going to take him to Bill and Steve like tonight. So here, let me call and see if he still has them. And so he goes, oh, so he calls me back. He says, yeah, I got, he's got the gates. I go, what about the seat on the apron? Does he have that? He goes, oh, he's got that too. Cool. Well, let's meet. So I thought, so the guy says, okay, my buddy has the parts. Let me call him. And so he called him and says, yeah, he hasn't gone to Steve's yet. We can meet at my house tonight. So the thing is, I didn't want to go in my other car, the bug. I had a 67 bug, the one that I used to go find my bus when it was gone. Because, you know, VW dudes, they'll know. You can see the cars parked on the street, and maybe they would have made a connection that it was me sure. by seeing that car. So I had my buddy Javier. Uh, he had a, a convertible. And so he, we went out together. We went in his car, so they wouldn't recognize it. And uh, so I had my police report. I had pictures of the car. We went out there and uh, got out of the car. And there was across the street, there was the dude shook his hand. It was at night over, over by the airport, like by Compton, like kind of, you know, by Compton. Right. And so, yeah, the parts were right there on my truck, a big old Ford F50 truck. So I go back there. I'm like, oh, my God. They were there. Same color and everything. The gates, uh, I think the gates and something else. I'm like, okay, well, cool. Let me go to the ATM and I'll, we'll be right back. We'll get some to go get some money. Cause, and he was like unloading them for super cheap. He went, well, I only have 50 bucks. Let me go to the ATM and get some money. So I go, all right, cool. So we hop in my buddy's car and we start heading out to, to, to call the cops. Right? So I'm on the cell phone. Hey, yeah, my car's here. It's stolen. And the lady's like, how do you know it's yours? I go, well, I know it's mine because of the color. And then my buddy was all nervous. So he just kept driving, driving, driving further away from the spot. He kind of almost towards home, right? I mean, not that, not, but he was just like driving fast and away because he was so nervous. <clears throat> anyway, so the 911 upper says, uh, well, where are you? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, but he's just, well, here, stop at the corner. We finally stopped and I tell her where we were. Well, hold on, there'll be some cops there. And man, really quick, within like five minutes, cops showed up. And so the guy's like, okay, well, where's the car? I said, it's down there, whatever avenue. He says, oh, well, you know, that's not our jurisdiction. Oh, come on. So. The captain, and, they, and then there was a rookie. He's like, "Come on, cap! Come on, cap! You wanted some action, right?" The rookie, and he's like, "All right, let's go." So you guys just stay here, uh, wait about five ten minutes, and then go to the spot. So then we waited, and then we went there, and then sure enough, they handcuffed the dude. I got pictures of the guy getting handcuffed. They put it in the gates in their in their car and the vehicle in their cop cars. I'm like, oh thank God! So it took a while to finally get the bus back because they had to like match the numbers and everything. And what happened is these guys. Took the numbers off, but everywhere they thought was a serial number, like you know, behind the eight, the, the little plate, yeah, the parcel I think tray, above, above, yeah, the fan is another one. There's a bunch of so they took all the numbers off, but the one that really counts, you know, is the one by the motor, and that was still in that stamp by the apron back there, or else it would have turned into like a brand new car with like white plates or black plate. Well, yeah, I think we had white plates at the time. Yeah. So um, anyway, so I got the bus back and. Uh, and uh, let me see. So then I was so grateful that you know that my buddy wants to help me that I gave him birthday. He could have the bus. <laughs> oh, so you gave so, him, you, you know, gave him your other bus, huh? I gave him the birthday. Yeah, I mean I got it for free, and then I was so thankful that he helped me. I felt so relieved that I got my bus back that I gave my buddy to help me. 
I gave him the bus. And this is the same the same fifty nine double cab you're driving today. Yep. So it's been yep. stolen twice. Stolen twice, yeah. And now now you keep it under lock and key now or what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would uh, hope so. Yeah, it's hard to get to now. Yeah, I got yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, yeah, it's pretty hard to go. Yeah, and, and anywhere anywhere I go, I would always like park it where I could see it, where I could like run to it still. So sure. it doesn't even have like a, a key in the ignition or anything. It's just I have switches all over the place. So there's no no key. Um, but yeah, I don't take it much anywhere. So no one's. And then the thing is, like, if you steal it, you know your own car. Like, you'll right. find it. You know, especially now. So I feel kind of violated. You know that I've, this bus has been taken and. They he, when they took they took the gates off. He kind of like couldn't take the bolts off. It kind of rusted in there. They were just like hard. So he cut, made a little groove on the bed to like lift, pry it open like a can, tin can uh. to like get. To, so I go to the vintage vehicles in Burbank, and that's when I um had the aha moment. Uh, I looked up on the wall and they have a Cuba wagon hubcap, and it was bare metal. And I was like, wow, I go, wouldn't that be cool if I did like a whole bare metal thing and do like a Porsche, like a classic, like silver with red, you know, so do like a red interior. So, um, I decided to go that way and I didn't really ask people if it, that was going to work, you know, the bare metal thing. And if I would ask around, they would say, Oh, it's never going to work. It's going to rust. And right. that probably would have deterred me from doing it. So I'm glad I didn't ask because I just did it anyway. Um, so then I started doing the, the uh, sanding it. I had a my mom knew a guy that had a bead blasting place, so we had bead blasted there, and then but you know I came back looking all dull. Right. And I went so then I just sanded, 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 and I, and I had a couple friends help me sand it too. Hey, let's go watch a football. Let's go do this. Man, I got to sand the, the bus down, and then I got to do it right before classic. You know, it's like you know, you know how timing is everything. It shows. Yeah. So I just worked my ass off to sand it and put the clear on it and like all this stuff and I got the little chrome grills on the headlights and I wanted I was kind of going for like a Mad Max-ish look back right. then. So then I thought, you know, to debut it, I wanted to kind of, to make sure that I got some attention, I decided to have like these little um, bondage shows. So I hired some girls <laughs> to go on the back of the, the bed Right. did this little show. Yeah, so, so some of you guys, I mean, that was back in 98. Yeah. And so I held big old crowd of people and because i remember the days when we had bikini contests and all that so like i thought it was like no big deal but sure. you, know, you know they kind of take coming down on that stuff and they said no you got to stop the show or you or you have to leave so they, i almost got kicked out that year oh really and yeah <laughs> and then the, the second year i did it again and i did get kicked out that second year so oh because you you um, showed up with a double cap with the bondage girls in the back <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The prisoners. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. How she like hanging? It, like she was suspending them with her arms and her ankles from the from the canopy rack. Oh wow! Back there. Yeah, and uh, and then let me it's see. A little so too they, intense for the classic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I didn't have a family back then. And like, right, you a little wild, a little crazy. Yeah, yeah. No, I dig it. I dig it. So, but definitely made an impact on the scene the first time you're out there. I mean, I remember first time seeing the bus and I was just kind of thinking like, man, that thing is so cool, man. It's just, so, it was so unique and you had, and this is before, I mean, this is years before people were doing stuff in bare metal. I mean, I don't, I don't recall yeah. seeing very many bare metal anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And then that was back in the days of like, everything had to be correct. You know, and I was guilty too. I'd walk around with my friend and be like, Oh, that car doesn't have the right taillights, the right, you know, NOS, this and that. So it was always like, it was about being correct and the correct paint and everything. Right. So yeah, this really kind of, I think opened the door for like 
screw, you know, we don't have to have that. And uh, so I think the patinas maybe started coming out after that. I don't know. You debuted at the classic and now this bus has gone through several several iterations i mean it started out with just like the bare metal exterior and then you start getting a little more detail here and there um you know and and the process it looks you know i think you start out with like a, a mad max vibe but then it starts going like like kind of aggressive performance look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, because you know the bus started to kind of rust a little bit through the times, and I didn't like the rust. I mean, I love rusty cars. Don't get me wrong, I love rusty cars. But this one, the look was had to be just that clean looking steel, like a DeLorean or something like that, right? Right. So yeah, so you know, I kind of it's like a like a piece of clay basically, like kind of just mold it and do here and there little tweaks. So you know, I was never into like the press bumpers and you know. Of course, it wasn't correct to have them on this car, but well, you know what? I really like those now, so I put those on, and I think it really just cleans it up. The other ones look just a little too fat to look like a cartoon almost. So yeah. I went with that, and yeah, because I've already gone with the bear, so I figured, well, now I, I've opened the door, and I could do whatever I want with it. Uh, so then um, right around there, I got – in 2008, I came out with my first book, my Atoshin book. And now, so that gave me enough. Let, to, let's back up a little bit and talk about the photography a little bit. Cause the photography kind of weaves in, it weaves into this a little bit, right? So yeah, throughout this time you, you're getting into the field of photography. I mean, you're pursuing what probably starts out. What is a hobby into a career? Uh, no, I had actually gone, I did, I went to like an official, like a real art center. Oh, okay. Really good um, art school. So I'd gone there. Um, so I wanted to be a photographer, and so I, I figured we well, now have to go to school to be a photographer. So I did that. And now I know, like, no way, you don't have to do any of that. <laughs> so right, but you, but you've been taught. traditionally taught in photography. Yeah. So this whole time I've been a photographer. Yes, yeah. so, uh, I went to junior college, and then straight after that I went to I was like 20 years old to art art center and now, to become a photographer. And now yeah. being an enthusiast. Did you ever try to pursue like the the automotive magazine end of things, or how's that I, whole world come across? Because you know the rest of us thinking as enthusiasts, like man, if we had that job, we could just lace it right into doing you know automotive photography. But yeah, I, I hit up Hobby Dubs back then, and they weren't interested. So, uh, but it took so it took a while to finally start doing car stuff. I was more like interested in people and mm-hmm. girls and food or whatever it was architecture portraits. I like I'm a uh, portrait of people person people of photographer um but so actually the first mag- car magazines that picked me up were like um muscle mustangs and hot um fords Fast and words, like, yeah yeah and the chopper of uh, bike magazines and that's where i met uh, uh slim uh-huh. uh people so then I, I also noticed too but with the american folks american car and, and bikes you know, I start going to their shows uh, to go shoot. I'm like, oh wow! So like, I see a couple of bare metal cars. So I'm not the first one with this idea. So you know, these guys are way ahead of us. So the VW folks, well, they've been cutting out cars and doing everything. Well, we were more like reserved and more about original and stock right. stuff. So we're like way behind them. So now we're starting to come out and do stuff. And now you're seeing like less VW wheels and you're seeing all kinds of like, crazy stuff happening. But yeah, they were way ahead of the game. And so. so as a photographer, how do you build up into re- releasing your book? Because you do have a book that's out that's pretty limited in production at this point, right? Yeah, the I had a my first one in 2008, and then that was like a real big book, and uh, that sold out. They did a couple of runs, and they sold it out. And then a couple of years later, I got a second book, so Ed Fox Roman numeral two, so, uh, um, and then that one 
they also um, did a couple of runs and they sold out. So I've actually got some sitting here that I'll, I'll be willing to sell. Nice. But that one's out of print too now. Yeah, and the and the two books that the, the two books that you came out. What were the titles of the books? There was just my name, just Ed Fox, and then the other so, one was Ed, Fo- Ed Fox. Ed Fox. And, and, Ed Fox too. Roman Roman Rural Two. Yeah. And that was, you know, that's like on my personal um, erotic photography. After the first one, I got all this money. Well, now I could put, dump it into the bus. So I had uh, a bus, uh, I had a turbo. I bought a turbo. Chico made me this cool fuel injected turbo motor that looked like kind of like a time machine. And um, and uh, so then from there, I, I took I took the bus to Vegas. I did like two two Vegas trips, like just cruise at like you know two thousand RPM, no problem, going up those hills. Yeah. You know, where all my life been like, oh my god, I gotta get as fast as I can to pick up speeds. I can start going up, take you know, up the hill, and then people like slow, you know, take their sweet ass time and don't move out of the way. Like, oh, I just lost all my momentum. Right in the stock bus, the stock bar usually. So, but with the turbo, and no problem, I just flew up those hills. And then I think that's where that's where I met you guys. I know that's where I met you guys. Yeah. Where I got there, I noticed there. Oh, I was waiting in line actually to get into the show. What did you guys call it? It had like a funny name that the guy had. Uh, right, the the elite and the clean, just clean yeah. and elite. Yeah, yeah, elite were the ones that were printed in magazines or something, and the clean were right. the other ones. Yeah, right. And yeah, and I, so uh, I'm waiting in line to get in there, like, and I saw the elite oil leak. I'm like, oh shit, where's it coming from? So we saw like, one of the oil lines was rubbing up against something or, or no, on the header and it was, it was warm, it was hot, so it was created a leak. So man, you guys like out of, out of the kindness of your heart just said, Hey yeah, let's take care of that. And you took me to your shop and it was so cool. You fixed it for yeah, me. You my, really saved my, my George at the wagon, my brother dialed got you your, dialed in. Got you patched brother. up and back on the road. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like totally cool like a friend you know hey come on and we'll help you out we'll take care of it like oh man thank you that was, can you imagine getting back home and having a brand new motor like you'll be gone so then you had a cool little party afterwards yeah in the parking lot at night yeah so i went to one of those um so so now i have a nice turbo motor and but now that this, uh the finish is starting to kind of get rusty and i'm liking it also what i didn't like is like you had this high gloss clear uh-huh. and the problem is with all the show, the classics, it was always cloudy. So when you go there on a cloudy day, all I see is that reflection. Like, oh, it's nasty. It's kind of like something you get like a uh, pottery barn or somewhere like that, where they take this, oh, let's make it look cool and old, and it's bare metal, but then they slather on like a super thick co- uh, coat of clear and mass produce these things. So it just it just looked cheap. I didn't like the, the look of it. So that's when I decided to start um, changing it. Uh, so I, d- I wanted to do more like a computer like a spaceship kind of a feel to it you know where it's uh you see like it's been through like the atmosphere it's been you know treated like shit with all this heat um so uh so then i did this whole different technique and i went back down ascending it uh, to bear and i started from the back and i came up to the front and i got about halfway i got to the, to the window there like no way i'm not gonna be able to finish this in time uh before i was gonna try to make it to the next classic and to get printed featured in air mighty because neil said yeah we get you printed but you get this is the deadline to get you get done like okay so i gotta hurry up so i ended up hiring a guy from home depot to come out and like help me sand it <laughs> and i'm like but don't sweat in it because any of that sweat with the um, salt the salty the uh, rusting. yeah yeah that's right so we both sanded that sucker down i got the roll cage put in by a guy slim um did a couple of touches 
And then I said, you know, um, the day before the classic, I said, so I got it, got it in time for the magazine. Um, but only thing is, was dickhead, and because of politics, I got pushed off the cover. So, um, uh, so I, well, I didn't, I didn't get in the mag, and I worked really hard to get to beat the deadline. So I didn't get in the magazine. But uh, well, at least I could still debut the new look. The, like well, I called it the dirty bus because like a dirty metal, right? right? Um, so like in the shade, you can see the shape of it. Uh, I I did it with a metal etch, so it would darken and protect by for rust. So I had a so I, oh, it was kind of gray, and then I lightly took a sandpaper and I gave a little swirl, I sanded it down on highlights, uh, uh, so the it, it would still be bright with the sun, and then the shape would really stand out, like in the grooves and in, indentations, all the dark would still stay there. So from a distance. So, you know, I was, again, like a painting. And I would, like, give it a little bit of scr- swirls, and I would stand back and look at it. Like, no, that's too much. So if I went too far, too, I went down to too much bare metal, then I had to, like, start all over again. And, you know, if it was too hot, the, the metal edge would turn, like, really gray and, or, like, chalky. Like, so it's a lot of, like, experimenting that I did. So, um... So I finally got that done to try to make it to the classic and the magazine. So I didn't make it into the magazine, but I go, well, at least I can make it a debut of the new look, Dirty Metal Bus, at the show. I said, well, let me go take it to Vic so we could just tune it up because I never got that motor really tuned right. Mm-hmm. And we hooked up the laptop and he's in the back and we're driving and like something happened. I don't know what, like a computer glitched or do something back at the brain, at the CD brain and just psh, nothing. So like, so just towed it back home with the brand new look and so I didn't, never made it to the show. Unfortunately. And what year was that? That was, you know, which classic was that? It was like five uh, years, like five years ago. Yeah, no, more than five, uh, but maybe eight years ago, seven years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have to look at what. And you have all that momentum, and then like, boom, you just yeah. kind of get stalled out because yeah, you work hard and you yeah, do see you pay more money, but you get stuff done quicker, and you know all that shit. And you push it to the side, family and everything, or work to the side. And you, to get to your goal and then like it all crumbled like so that really sucked and then after that it just i thought you know it's time for um but oh i know i wanted to get rid of the fuel injection because i just never ran right and i also didn't i wanted to kind of go more like vintage looking because mm-hmm. the fuel injection i didn't think makes made sense so we went to side draft and then it sat at vix for a while that was a little passion project and then uh now i'm back out yeah, that I mean the the motor definitely. I had somebody come up to me on uh, they came up to me at Octo and they're like, "Man, did you see that turbo bus over there? Man, that thing is sick." And I'm like, "Well, which turbo bus?" I'm like, "Because there, there's a couple of them out there." And then I two rows over from me, you were parked over there, and there's a couple of people around there taking pictures of your car and stuff. So I think the turbo motor is like what that you know like the turbo setup in that motor is really what it needed for that super aggressive like the like the last nail in the coffin and make it like the death, the death bus. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm yeah. definitely digging the roll bar. You know, I had an idea for my crew cab, you know, a few years back, I wanted to do a roll bar inside my crew cab and now you did it first. And I'm looking at yours and I'm like, Oh man, I should have done my roll bar. And it was going to be similar to that, but not you did the, the diagonal bars, but I love the look of it, man, because it's just such a cool, aggressive look and the roll bar just says so much about it. You know what I mean? Like this bus yeah. is built for speed. Now talk, talk for a minute about, you know, cause on top of the uniqueness and the multiple layers of, of modifications on this bus, one of the things you did was spindle mounts in the front wheels. Now, how hard of an ordeal was that to do the spindle mounts? Yeah, that was an experiment too. 
Um, but you know, actually, let me go back to the beginning when I very first debuted the Bare Metal Bus. I was there in like '98. I think part of the problem is because I had the girls and the big show there, right. nobody saw that I had is my friend called the Bionic Suspension. So before I did the bare metal thing, I had because it used to be my daily driver. Uh-huh. I'd go to Hollywood and uh, and I would run it on temps, the temporary tires, the little tiny, tiny temper. And mm-hmm. so and lowered and with the temps, and it just ran really hard. And so I would run to go to the photo labs and do my runs there. So I thought, you know what, it's my daily driver. Um, let me see if I could get like some kind of cool suspension or something done. So I drove it around a couple of different shops. And see if I could get something done. I guess, ah, no way, impossible. I went to another one. No, we can't do that. Maybe a Mustang too. And then I went to another guy. He's like, yeah, I could do it. Um, but so I sat in his shop for over a year while he was doing it. And because he didn't charge me a lot of money, again, it was like a little side project. So people always cut in front of me. Uh, but he finally got that done. But and that was right before uh, I, I sanded it down because I, I was in a. I wanted to be all done for the classic again. Yeah. Now, what suspension do you have in the front of that? So anyway, so this guy does like fully custom thing. There's like a real beefy cross member, um, and I've got a rack and pinion that he actually took the rack and he flipped it the other way. Uh, I got a arms, coilovers, and oh, so here. then he kind of got stuck. he kind of got stuck though on the because he flipped the the rack the other way. How to connect it with the steering box? So he kind of got stuck on that. And he said that he went to some shop or somewhere and he saw this. Thing that it was like for a spool for spooling iron or something, or I mean, uh, for yarn, yeah. And it was like a one uh, box, like, oh, you know, that'll work. It is a big old bl- blocky, chunky box, so it actually sticks up above the floor here. Like, it's right next to my pedals, so he did that. And then he was gonna make he was gonna make a box for us so you wouldn't see all the, the bolts and all the stuff that he connected in the hind joints. I'm like, no, I'm gonna keep it like that. I like that. It was kind of uh, made it more industrial, yeah. You like that, so industrial when I look. Yeah, so when I brought the bus out at Classic, the girl, like, nobody saw it. Maybe a couple people that poked their head in here. But so I've been running that front, and that was, like, the first, like, cool thing I did to the bus. Um, so and the, then, um, the entire front suspension is custom built. Yeah, there's nothing VW, and there's the Chevy Chevette spindles. Um, and who's, and the, then, who's the guy that built it? Uh, his name was Steve. Uh, I don't remember. Oh, I know his last name, but he actually, when I finally looked down the years, years after, I was done with the wrenching on the bus and I go, Oh, that's funny. He left like these SS next to his name. Oh, yeah. He was like, but his last name isn't Smith. So right. Yeah, Cause he was always like this racist dude. I remember him commenting on stuff. So was he trying to leave me a message or what? But so that's a little signature, but yeah, he moved out of, out of uh, California still, but up north by Bakersfield, I think. Yeah. yeah I didn't really up. Um, but yeah, so he was telling me, no, I said, I want the wheels to kind of stick out a little bit. I don't want it to be really narrow. No, don't, trust me, you're going to want it narrow. I'm like, uh, whatever. But so if, now when I'm trying to know what I have to do is the next thing is it is a little too wide. I want to try to bring it in so I could um, tuck those wheels in a little bit more. Uh, so yes, yeah, so I had this idea about the, the wheels because I never really liked the seeing the, the big, the lug pattern on these. I mean, I'm like chromies, it's cool, or I guess some wheels, it, it's kind of part of it, but. With those raiders that I had, radiators, uh-huh. radar wheel, I did. I hated seeing that the, the pattern. Yeah, sure, I could have painted that black and then let the spokes kind of stand out. Um, but like, no, nah, but they're still there. And then like, you know, the MPs are just like too stubby and fat, uh, especially for a 15 inch wheel. I mean, if I went to like a 16 or 17, right? I can keep it 15. So I just like research and research and research all this time, and I didn't see anything I liked. Um, 
and then I finally I was cruising through this uh, YouTube video, people driving into the GNRS uh, Grand uh, National uh, Roaster uh, Show. And I'm like, whoa, what's that? I pause it, I went back, rewind it, and I watch it again, and I rewind it, and play it back, and I'm like, what kind of wheels are those? So I have a really uh, cool buddy of mine that I shot his car, actually, is the bare metal coupe for a magazine, a garage magazine, that uh, says, oh, yeah, those are American Racing, um, the spill amounts. So I'm like, oh, cool. So I started researching those, and I was going to get the ones that are that they made uh, that were aluminum, and they were pre-drilled for um, discs, or that you could you know, put on calipers and all that. Right. They're cool to get those, but they stopped making them, and so they were impossible to find. And then I talked to Slim, and he said, no, you know, you could just plug You don't need brakes. I run my duster up in the hills, and no problem. And it's a bigger, heavier car, so cool. So for me to get them on there like now, I said, okay, fine, I'll do it. And uh, Or else it would have been like more money and more time to get that stuff done. Sure. Like, with COVID, COVID just killed everything. So I bought the wheels. Like, he told me who to talk to, some guy at Pomona. So I went to Pomona. And that guy didn't have a manifold guy. No, you got to go to Bakersfield because it's a drag show. I talked to this other guy. So I went all the way to Bakersfield, drag show, right around like February, March, around there. And then I was talking to the guy. I don't have them, but at a, in the conversation, the guy heard. He goes, oh, I got a set of those at home. So I went to, and he lived not far from me. So I went back home and I bought them. They're expensive, but I had to have them. And I, even though it wasn't a responsible thing to do right during code, I shouldn't be doing this, but I got to get them. So I did. And I, then I sat on them since like March of 2020 yeah. until now to finally get them on. And it wasn't so, it wasn't that hard to do. It was uh, basically just change races on one side. And then we had to grind down the, uh, send down the, the spin up just a little bit. And then boom, bolted right in. And, yeah, they look, and, they look and I got good. Will Woods in the back. Yeah. But now it just feels a little too high. So I have to lower it, narrow that front a little bit more. And the back is temporary, so I got those. Finally, got the the uh, Willwood kit, um, two piston, and I may switch it though. It's the 944 one, and so I'm just running the rear brakes. And right now, I just th- threw on some rollers that a guy was actually on Craigslist was giving away for free. Uh, so I picked them up, met him. He was cool, and then I slapped some tires on there. And so they're a little ugly in the back, but it's temporary. Yeah, it's definitely got it. it definitely has a unique look to it, and I really like the way that. Uh... And I'm surprised as a 59, yeah. as, a, as a 59 didn't come with press bumpers, but I guess 59s didn't come with press bumpers. 58s last year for press bumper, or 57. Yeah. No, I wasn't like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 57s yeah, I was like last year for thought, press. But like, I don't care. I mean, the, but it looks fucking, good. I mean, the, the press thanks. bumpers fit. The whole, the, whole, the whole thing comes together, and I really dig it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, you know, one of the things that I wanted to touch base on a little bit was, you know, you like once people get to know you and then they take a look into your photography, uh, the stuff that's available and out there published, obviously you were a younger single dude, a little into more of some racy stuff, but you definitely have a, spe- a specific style. That's like an Ed Fox style. You know what I mean? And, and I, and I really appreciate the, the style that you put behind the photography because besides do, getting your bus featured in air mighty, I think you've had, have you had a couple other features in air mighty for stuff that you've done, right? Right, yeah, I shot, uh, they sent me out to shoot Pip's cars. Um, yeah, he did like three in a row, like started with the square back. And then yeah, did, English uh, Pip, we're talking about English Pip. Yeah. English Pip, yeah, not uh, Beard Pip. Right, yeah. the, the singer from the Guana the Bats. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And, and, and then, you know each other, and Pip has worked on Pip's car. <laughs> like, yeah, with the photography, I, I and what I like kind of about what you do, and I wanted to let some of our listeners know, you know, 
that you know we've talked a little bit and that you have no problem doing private photo shoots for people you know and putting some effort into that and really kind of bringing your style across because some of the photographs that you take I mean there's your there's your traditional um, you know, red bug on alloys that's shot with a palm tree and, you know, all that kind of stuff, but that's not really your deal. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're more, you strike me as kind of the guy that looks for the unappreciated, the unique, the kind of, the car that has a statement, you know yeah, what I mean? The, car, the location has to fit the car also. Yeah. The stuff I've seen you put out is really unique. And, uh, you know, I, I'd be excited to see if people decided to have, you know, because I think that's where we're at in, in, in today's day and age with magazines and whatnot. I think if you can, if you've got a car and you know your car is nice or, or it's specifically to your liking and taste, it's almost doing it. I mean, I remember my first photo shoot in the magazine and, you know, I was just excited that they wanted my bull run bus in the magazine. And then I just thought like I was, they were just going to take over and do it. Like they were just going to tell me what to do and all the stuff. And the guy's like, no, let's just find a commercial complex. And it was, I was just kind of like, I thought there was more to it than that. And yeah. in hindsight, my first feature was kind of one that really, it, if I could have done it differently, I would have done it differently, but I was expecting them to kind of take the lead. And I think in today's day and age, I think it makes more sense that, you know, because we want the photographs of our own cars, you know, to be, especially if you've got something that's, that's art worthy, you know, and, and I think you're a guy that can do that for people. And I know that you're capable of doing that. People can reach out to you through your website to do that. Um, but I definitely, uh, I know that you have an eye that that sees things a little different, more of like if somebody's got a pretty nice patinaed bug that's just dialed in and it's got the nice right look and stance to it, you know, that's something that you can take and make that car pop off the page with the way it's photographed, you know? Yeah. I mean, you definitely have an eye for it. What are some of the, you know, some of the favorite things, I mean, even not including Volkswagens, like one of the more things that you've shot for automotive stuff that, that really to you, that comes to memory for you is something that you've really enjoyed shooting. I mean, anything out there automotive specifically? Um, I'd say I had a good time shooting slim stuff. Yeah. And this is a guy that, um, I don't want to hear the, his story, but I met him at a, well, I was shooting for one of the uh, American ma magazines, car magazines, and I went out to, um, there's a show in uh, Semra, uh, Santa Barbara. Yeah. I forget the name of it. But, uh, and then, you know, and for years, you always see no trailer queens, no VWs. They printed on the actual postcard, no VWs. And now those guys are being a little cooler about letting VWs in, but, you know, I get it because there's stuff more 30s, 40s, 20 and older, and we were like 20 years difference or more and uh, so shooting that stuff out there and then so towards the end of the show i'm walking out and i see this crowd of people and like, what the hell and this slim there and he's got these and so uh these yamahas these four you know um hondas and he's got them all like they look like um road warrior like bikes right. and they're, like, oh, they're really really cool like bare metal like stained and uh you just mishmash of like parts and, and things and you had a big old crowd of people like how did you get in here they said no Jap no no japanese way oh i just like paid some guy on the side and he let me in so right till the end of the show he came in but i mean there you are this guy breaking the rules and he's got a crowd of people with his japanese bikes 
<laughs> so, uh, and, and um, so eventually it's like, oh, that guy would be great for to do, what's it going to do, suspension or something? Oh, yeah, because the suspension was a little too wide. Uh, the, the spindles that had, the, uh, the calipers was way too wide, the chevettes. So um, I wanted to bring it in. So I thought he would be a good guy to help me do that. So we never connected, but a couple of years later, I shot uh, for, for one of the magazines said, oh, you could shoot this guy slim. Oh, cool. Or maybe I suggested it. So I went all the way to the middle of nowhere where he lives, and he's got this awesome, cool little shop, and he was like working on his bike. So I did like portraits of him, and I did uh, So I kind of enjoyed doing the portrait part of it, uh, too. Some, sure. Some uh, people, photographer. And uh, I did that one shot of him. It looks like kind of like Jesus and the crucifix. Yeah. In an abandoned house. Uh, so that was a cool project. And uh, that kind of got me in good, too. Then he went after that. We kind of became friends, and he worked on my roll cage. But he'd have a list, you know, years of a uh, list of people on waiting list to, to see him. And he kind of let me just kind of come right in and get my uh, my roll cage done. Uh, that was a good one. Um, now, and, and with you know, a lot of stuff that you're also starting to get into some videography too, like, uh, making commercials and reels and stuff like that. And, you know, I think there's, especially in today's day and age, there's a lot of opportunity for that people that are promoting their business. And, and one of the funny things is sometimes people don't have a vision and you see something as simple as a, a small video clip or something that really just changed the dynamics of whether it's, uh, you know, a, a part, a piece, a car, a builder, a whoever it is. And I think it's, uh, you know, it, it's where things have gone, but you're starting to get into some videography too as well, right? Yeah. I mean, I've always had this kind of curiosity about uh, video back when I was at college, actually, the art center. And uh, I never followed through with it. And I wish I kind of at that time would have either done like a dual major or just switched over. But uh, yeah, I, just, I, pick, I finally decided to shoot stuff for my for myself for my reel, and really having a good time doing that. And now, like photography seems eh, almost a little boring because just stills. Um, but the, the, I love like the storytelling part of you know or the challenge of creating a story with video. And because with social media and everything, you know, now I feel like people don't even care about photos. They're more about you have to see a video. I have to see a video. Every business has a little video, uh, and their attention spans are, are so short that um yeah it just, it's easier just for them to absorb video but i feel like videos get is way bigger now than photography and uh and even with the video stuff the short attention span I mean, you'll show somebody a, tra- a two minute trailer a minute trailer and like 10 seconds into it they're already like talking to somebody else yeah so completely distracted yeah you gotta catch them right away but uh yeah that's been a really cool really cool thing that and, i'm really having fun doing and and you do that for I mean, anybody that's looking to do do something, they can bring a concept to you. And I think to get a real good feel for for what you deliver, um, they can check out a bunch of your stuff on your website, right? Over at edfox.com? Edfox.com or on my Instagram, um, the at edfox with three X's. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, too, is like, you know, I didn't, the, that, that, the edfox with three X's Instagram was more about, supposed to be about like the photography and the videography. So it was like, it would take my time to put stuff up. It's more about, so there's no personal stuff in there, bus stuff really, or like snapshots. It's mm-hmm. more like either styled photos or something I really care about. And then, well, I care about my bus, but like, you know, finally, because I see Rolando, I mean, that guy's got like a ton of followers, and he goes to all kinds of shows. And I thought, well, you know, maybe I should just make a page just for the bus and just have fun with it and, and just shoot car shows and shoot whatever like snappy shots or something related to the bus. Because a lot of times I want to show like, oh, look at what I did to my front end, or look what I did to the wheels. 
But I can't post that on my Ed Fox on my photography one because it's like, what the heck? It's right. more about my photography. So I started the bare metal bus one to just be more free about like the bus stuff and shows and the lifestyle, maybe kind of my adventures with the car now. Yeah, you've, so that's a new. You've got a lot of you've got a lot of uh, unique opportunities with the bus and plus being able to to communicate some of that through that channel through bare and that's and that Instagram is bare metal bus. Uh, at bare metal bus, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. That one's got some, yeah. some, uh, I know you got a ton more pictures on there. So, uh, <laughs> I, I know you got a ton more pictures you could load on there. It's got, but, yeah. it's got an okay amount of pictures, but sometimes it takes, you know, it's like when you're switching medias like that, going from like, and most of your stuff's probably super high res at like three photos of, to fill up your whole phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I also, I wanted to put it like in an order too because I wanted to put show pictures of when I got the bus and like some of the changes that I've done to it, but like who knows where those are up in my ad storage. So my attic, so that so I got it, got impatient and I started putting stuff up recently of like some of the shows or but what I want to do is like find the, the bill sale where the guy filled like like sixteen hundred dollars for the bus and I want to show like all the changes I made to it little by little. But um yeah, so we'll we'll be seeing all that right pretty soon and eventually when I'm happy. Fully happy with the bus. Once I, I do the, the do redo the surface a little bit because it sat mm-hmm. so long at the shop for sixty years, and this clear rust came up, started to come out. So I got to clean that up. But the thing is, I can't just like sand that little piece of rust up because then it's going to leave a bright spot. Right. And you'll see what's almost have to like do the whole thing over again. It's like, Fuck. I work really hard at getting that finishing that look. Um, so then once I do the back, get the new wheels and for the back and then narrow, I have to narrow it lower a little bit more. After I get a couple of changes, then I want to do like a full on, like a little mini commercial for the car. So, yeah. But yeah. No, I think, uh, so, you know, the, the, that type of, uh, the impact that those things have, you know, the, the, the power that, that video and photography have even combined. And now with, you know, digital production being so like so easy, so many people are doing it. Um, I mean, there's such a cool message that can be done with it that, that I'd love to see you do something specifically about the bare metal bus and just see something really cool come out with that because it's definitely unique. It's one of the first ones that's out there and it's got a lot of unique stuff. Now you've got a pretty unique tachometer in that bus. Yeah, I had that. I was influenced by, um, a clock that I saw at target and had to have the Roman numerals. And uh, I thought, oh, well, I'd like to have this tack and make and um, have all this stuff on it, kind of more like a Mad Max-ish, or I forget. So I started researching some of the Mad Max stuff and looking there, freeze-framing a scene, and they've got like a ton of gauges that look really cool, really like, busy, really industrial. So I came up with that concept of kind of doing this cluster of the three or four and that sort of, um, um, thing. So, but I couldn't find it, one. Nobody was selling one. So I said, well, I'll make it myself. So I took parts and kind of, and then um, had the idea and I had it all ready to go. And I took it to a place where they do specialize in uh, speedometers, odometers, and the guy assembled it for me. And then I had Slim make me this little uh, bracket for it. Uh, so yeah, there it is. I've got a tack, I've got uh, oil, um, I got boost, and then I've got a uh, temperature. Yeah. It's not all fully hooked up yet, but they'll be working so soon. The only thing I have working right now is a boost. Yeah. And then I was gonna do a little. Uh, I, st- I still wasn't done with the tack. I still put these little tabs on it to kind of show, uh, make it kind of like a speedometer also. So I'm going to do like a little test, like, okay, at in fourth gear, third gear, at um, so many RPMs, how fast am I going? And I'm going to like GPS track it, 
and then I'm going to make these little marks, or the plan was to make little marks on this metal thing. And then in fourth gear, I was going to have an additional ring on the inside, and that's the fourth gear speed. So I have the third gear and the fourth gear. And nice. then so I was going to tell me how many so that I could kind of know what speed. So it's going to be a lot of stuff in one. And then my blinker light, the little red light in the middle, was going to be for my, um, um, uh, the, uh, what is it called when you, um, where you want to limit light. your RPM, the red light one? Yeah. So just something like that, too. But then I kind of, eh, I kind of got a little tired of it. So I don't know scrap thing. I think I still keep it and continue working out a little bit more. So yeah, I got like the, all the stuff I've got are the, the bionic front end with the uh, A-arm. I got this tack that I made, the roll cage, the turbo, the, and then the funky finish. Oh, and then I also have that air little scoop in the back. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, the, the side, the side, okay. the side air yeah. scoop. Yeah, so it's going to make me this, this thing. So I've got the uh, steel uh, bar that goes all the way to the back. And I have over here on the front, by my door, I have this little uh, lever, a little handle. But it's so, you know, but when I want to open it and close it, I want to hear the squeak. Yeah. kind of go with the feel. Yeah, and sure enough, I got the little squeak, and I love it. So, yeah, you pull the lever, and then it opens the flap, and then closes it. And now when I have it closed, I can open the gate. Because if you have those little, uh, the typical ones that all the buses have with the, uh, the old or the fiberglass, they stick out too far, and then it would crush the door. The gate would uh, crush the... Uh, a little flap there, the, the scoop because it sticks out so much. So this is kind of like a stealthy thing that's in and is out. Now I don't know if it's like how much it's really cooling or if it is at all, but you know, part of the whole look. And then I did that one because still kind of with the you know roots of like oh, I hate drilling and cutting stuff. I said, well, let me do this side because and luckily that's the side three four. It gets hotter. The uh, I'll do that side because it's all really worked and all, all messed up. That it had like some um, a dent or something in it. Or the way they, they had a dent in the past and they tried to like assemble it and it's all like really fucked up. So, so I'll just do this one and I won't feel so bad. So I cut it. And then the guy that helped me was Bob Costa. Back in, remember Bob Costa? Yeah. Poor dude passed away in his sleep. Um, really cool guy. He would call me Triple X. I'd go visit him and hey, Triple X, dirty fucker. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that guy was awesome. So he, um, I had him just kind of weld a little. The scoop because after I cut it, then I needed like the little shell to hold the air. Yeah, I took like a grill, like a little thing for a barbecue or something, the little X's inside. So I, I did that. Uh, he'd help me, help me with that. Well, no, so it's it's, yeah, that's it, pretty much in that in the rear safari. You know, I never since I was I was one of the last ones. Everybody was getting those first, and like, oh man, I'm already too late on that game. And like, yeah, I'm not gonna get it. So I was like one of the last ones to ever get to get the. The rear safari. I still had a little rubber. You can see the uh, the, ga- the the rubber for the window. But I thought, you know, because of the look of the bus, and it already has safaris in the front, and like all of the frames are metal. What the heck? So to complete it, so I, I got the rear safari window, and it's a stain. It was a stainless one, but it was it was, was going to be too shiny, and it looked different than the rest of them. So I had to treat it with some stuff to make that kind of match the rest of them. And now that's uh, so, that's all. I mean, as much as it's dialed in, it's a never-ending project, right? Yeah, yeah. And then on the headlights, I got I didn't want I got the barn door ones, but I didn't want I wanted the glass to look like really old, like those old four old like uh, like the, the Dalmatian movie. What's that kind of car is that? Um, you know, the Disney one. Yeah, like a, like a Duesenberg. Yeah, and then with like a kind of like a hazy. And actually, the reference I would make is like you know the Mercedes, like the '90s Mercedes that always had. Faded, kind of foggy-looking 
the glass on the on the headlight. Yeah. A lot of them they would, they would get faded and dull, and that's kind of the look that I wanted to make it look more uh, older. So um, I I came across the ten foot Doug, and he was making those resin ones. So he um, I got a, a scrap pair that he didn't that was wasn't going to sell. That's all of what I was going to do, and sh- so then I got those, and then I, I sanded them on the inside to kind of really dull them to kind of add that to that look of the. I think I was going to put like coffee in them just to try to stain them, but that wasn't working. But yeah, sanding them down was perfect because it was resin. It was like, yeah, so that worked out. No, that's great, man. Well, yeah. I, I definitely appreciate your contribution to the VW scene as far as uh, as far as your bus and, and the uniqueness of your personality and your style that exudes through your car. Uh, I'd really like to see you get a little more attention on your photography side and some of the stuff that you're doing um, and to let people know out there if they reach out to you through your website that you do have some, you do have some prints and some things like that, that, that are limited in production that you could, uh, for a pretty affordable gig, you can, uh, sign them and, uh, send them to those guys. Right. Some of that stuff out yeah. there. Yeah. Or, or even shoot your cars. And, you know, like you said, it would bug me after show, you would see these guys, um, Oh, well let's go shoot your car for the magazine. And they were, like you said, they were parking right around the industrial park right there was just a white building. I'm like, Oh man. Where, you know, I go with like everything I do, I give it like that extra love. Um, like I shot Greg Banfield's 356 and I, I didn't think you'd go for it, but hey man, I, feel, oh, I want to shoot your car for everybody, but it's going to be no problem. So he dragged it out there with a the trailer and sure enough, the results, you know, were, were, that was the, we had good results. Yeah. They, sp- they speak for themselves. That. I've, I've seen that picture stolen about a thousand times on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So or like with Pip's car, same thing. So like depending on the car, it's, it's got to fit. I, I look over a lot of the things I do, photography or video, you know, I don't just shoot whatever I have to, I, I scout and I try to find the, whatever's fitting to that location or that person. Um, and like this car is kind of hard too, because people assume, Oh, VW, uh, my sister-in-law said, Oh, we want to have your car. we like at our church thing. And because it's a 50s thing, I'm like, well, you know, my bus isn't really, this is more like they're, what they're looking for. What, what I suggested, they need something more like a beach, you know, like a stock one, right. with, you know, painted car. Like this is like, doesn't, this is more like tough. This is more like the devil's car, right? Right, right. It's a real aggressive look. <laughs> aggressive. Yeah. So, um, so it's hard to find a, like how to shoot this car too. I can't shoot it by the beach because the same thing. It's got to be right. a beach car. going to something a different look so i think this is more like a desert one or or yeah. run down buildings type but i tend to like that rundown look anyway so i even shoot something nice in a rundown spot makes it pop a little more yeah no i think it's uh it's definitely got its unique style and uh i i definitely appreciate you coming on the podcast and uh enjoy getting to hear your story and a lot about you know the the bare metal bus and now that you have any plans to take that thing down the drag strip or what I had thought about it, but I'm like, man, I don't know. I don't want to mess anything up, so maybe not. I, maybe once, but we'll yeah. see. Yeah, we'll see. If we get an event out here with the drag strip, maybe we'll see yeah. you out here. And you drive – I mean, you pretty much drive that thing everywhere you go, right? Uh, I used to. No, but that was the thing is like I spent all that money on getting this front end done because it was, this was my daily driver. And then like after I did that, I'm like, eh, it became like the show car. So uh, that's when I did the bare metal thing. So, yeah, I don't really like taking out, out anywhere or even going to shows early in the morning. And that's what happened on this last one, the Octo. I had just done a fresh clear and like sure enough, it was super cold that day, this, this couple days ago at the show and like rust on the top. Like, oh, 
box and I gotta sand it over again. Yeah, so yeah, I don't take it out much, but now I mean now that I got that new motor, the Vic motor, um, I'm gonna be driving it once I get my brakes all dialed in. Yeah, I'll be driving it more, uh, but just such shows I don't really daily drive it. I mean, as a matter of fact, it's, it's really loud. Uh, yeah. So I'm kind of almost embarrassed to drive because the neighbor's like, what's, what's that noise? <laughs> no, man, that's listen, listen, it's, loud yeah, pipes save lives. It. It's real bassy. It's got a really nice sound to it. And it's going to be, once we dial it in, it's uh, it's going to do over 250 horse, pretty sure. And so, and uh, we'll do well. But, you know, I wanted to take it to Vegas or Busted by the Bridge, but I don't think i got to, like, think that through because now I've got those spindle mounts for so I don't know. I gotta get a what a spare spindle mount wheel, and then I have to get something different for the back because I got the yeah. spare. But uh, so maybe I will have to trade it and drive it for a little bit. So we'll see. Well, cool, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast again. Everybody can get to you. What give, give us your your website, your uh, your Instagram, and all that stuff. So the website is edfox.com. That's E-D-F-O-X.com. That's where the, my website is, but people don't seem to like to go to websites anymore. They like The first thing they ask you is, like, what's your Instagram? So, all right. So go to my Instagram. So you'll see the same kind of stuff on both of them. And, um, the Instagram is uh, at edfox, with three X's, E-D-F-O-X-X-X, because the other edfox was taken. So I'm like, you know, I'll do the three X's because, I don't know, Bob Costa used to call me triple X. and nice sounds dangerous (laughs) well cool man well thanks for coming on the podcast and uh for sure if you have anything else coming out if you put out any books or anything like that stuff we want to get you back on here just to help you get uh get that stuff out to the vw community man cool thank you yeah i'll be doing some probably start shooting like little documentaries on people and the first thing i'm going to do is on rolando i started doing that so keep your eyes out for that it's a little about a little story on the video and uh, we'll see what goes after that what happens after that okay well cool man well i again i appreciate you coming on the podcast cool thank you bill for having me well that's another one of the books guys and i hope you enjoyed it because i definitely enjoyed uh getting down and talking with ed fox so we got shout outs this week and i got tons of the listeners went and put some uh put some five-star reviews up we'll start off first with my dog out of cleveland ohio my dog, James Sofer from Red Ace Speed Shop, says, thanks for the grind. I heard all the episodes of Let's Talk Dubs, and I'm on the East Coast. Bill, T, George, and enjoy all the cool VW innovations and creations. Awesome. Your Vegas weekend coverage is super dope. Still would like to have bought a T-shirt from the event. Just saying, keep talking about your cars and being you, he says. And then we got uh, Darren Mish. Darren Mish says, one of the best podcasts there is, period. He says he rarely listens to radio anymore and mostly listens to political podcasts. Every time I hear Bill T on Let's Talk Dubs, I'm amazed by the sound quality and the quality of his guests and the quality of the interview. I love Bill T's personal stories as well as the stories of the guests. Keep up the good work. I know the podcast is a labor of love, and I'm so very appreciative of you to continue with it. Uh, that's Darren Mish. And then I got Just Buggin says, Working away with Bill T and guests in my head. Bill T, your podcast of VW people, new and older, great. Thank you, George T, and other Las Vegas club members, plus the guest speakers for filling my ears while on the job site when working on my VWs. Great double features with Gary Emery, a local yokel. Listen while working on the doormobile roof repair uh, for a buddy 65 split. He's getting it ready for the Shasta run in 2022. Also a killer episode with Lance. Looking forward to another crazy weekend in Vegas in 2021. Keep up the great conversations. And that's my boy T. Getty from up there 
in the Pacific Northwest up there in Oregon, man. Hopefully he's staying safe and he's building some stuff up there. And Nick Retzinas says, air-cooled lovers rejoice. This is the podcast of the air-cooled people. Love listening to all the guests they have on the show and they truly never disappoint. Love how they get involved with the listeners as well and talk about historically historical related things and also the new hotness that's out on the block. Keep on pumping them out and I'll keep on listening. Well, Nick, we appreciate you, man. And I appreciate all you guys for listening. I appreciate all you guys for buying merch and supporting the podcast. I got a listener email from Von Bachman, man, my boy Von Bachman, who says, Bill T, enjoy the podcast. Keep up the good work. Stories are fun and entertaining, especially the old guys. By the way, have you mentioned your to your listeners that the Grand National Road Show is postponed in 2022? Well, I have. And, uh, and now he says, now <laughs> not go with the logo on the back with a smaller logo on the left front. Most of us older guys like that style better. Keep up the good work. Talk to you soon. That's my boy Von Bachman. That's it for this week's shout-outs, guys. Make sure you keep them coming and you get a shot on the podcast. You want to support the podcast, go pick up some merch. Some of you guys are waiting on some of your merch. It's getting shipped out this week. So sorry for the delays, and I appreciate your patience, guys. Until next week, man. Later. A Volkswagen is a nice station wagon to have a